If you are someone who pays any attention at all to things like marketing and advertising campaigns, or if you have an interest in any kind of product that's manufactured, uh, cars, smartphones, TVs, beauty products, bikes, aircraft, anything at all, you'll know that when you see something that's for sale, or whether you are just looking at something, browsing through something, the thing you're looking at is either an upgraded or alternative version of something which already exists, or you might have come across something that is completely new. And it's always a product which is the first of its kind, which receives the biggest fanfare and the most attention, assuming that it actually works. So like when the, the first iPad was introduced and launched. Or perhaps it might have become notorious because it flopped, like the Sinclair C5, for those of you who are old enough to remember that little electric three-wheeler uh, invented by Sir Clive, which was supposed to change how all of us commuted to our work of place, uh, place of work, oh, allegedly. Walk into any electrical store, mobile phone shop, car showroom, cycle shop. Virtually everything you'll see is an upgraded or alternative version of something which was available last year or 10 years ago or in some cases even 100 years ago. Finding something which from scratch from top to bottom, is completely new. It's actually quite a rare thing. And so it's really interesting to see how the born-again believer is described in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In other places, Paul describes Christians, for example, as having been washed and cleansed, which are very helpful analogies. Here's someone coming home from work on a Friday evening from a job of hard and dirty manual labour. And the following day, they're attending a wedding in all their finery. And what's the well-worn phrase that you'll hear people say? Well, you scrub up quite well. To think of yourself as a believer who has been washed and cleansed from all the filth of your sin is a really helpful description. It's a really helpful way of considering what it is that God does for you. But if that was the only way that a Christian is described in the Bible, it could leave you thinking that becoming a Christian is no more than a really good makeover, but it's still the same old you beneath the surface. But elsewhere, Paul employs the word transformed. We discover in the Bible that in order to try and understand the greatness of God and the greatness of all the things that God has done, we do have to view things in a number of different ways and employ any number of illustrations in order to try and do it justice. God is just too big and too glorious 
for one simple picture to be sufficient. We've seen that on Wednesday evenings in those uh, few verses we've been looking at in the middle of Psalm 19. Uh, there we find uh, David describing different aspects of the Word of God because one single phrase just isn't enough to try and encompass everything that the Bible is. And so, yes, as a Christian, you have been washed and cleansed. But there's so much more to it than just that. You've been transformed. And so much so that in 2 Corinthians 5, we have this ast astonishing statement that so complete, so total is that transformation that you are, in fact, a new creation. There are things which now are true about you that simply did not exist before the point of your conversion. Yes, of course, you, you still look and sound much the same. All the basic uh, features of your personality remain unchanged. Your physical and mental aptitudes and talents and abilities remain much as they always were. From those perspectives, you are still you. But spiritually, you are a new creation. Spiritually, you are now a new creature in Christ. And with that comes a brand new Christ-like and godly nature which completely transforms the manner of your life and of your living. In Ezekiel, it's likened to God removing your old heart of stone to replace it with a heart of flesh. He doesn't simply revive your old heart. He takes it away. And by the heart is meant your mind, your nature, your will. He gives you a brand new one. Your personality is largely unchanged, but it becomes sanctified in godliness and righteousness. Your aptitudes and talents and abilities likewise are much unchanged, but at the very core of your being, all of your affections and your desires and priorities, your will, your volition, they all undergo a wholesale change and shift, which changes how you want to use and employ your aptitudes and your talents and your abilities. You now see those things as being a gift from God, and you wish to use them for him and to his glory. You want to be well-pleasing to him because now you know that you belong to him as we saw last week. Therefore, says Paul, if anyone is in Christ, he, she, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And primarily, 
in your life and in your testimony and in your witness, it's this that people will see and are most likely to ask you about. You may have had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. You may have tried to explain why it is that you hold to what the Bible teaches, even though it runs in the face of today's culture. And as you do so, you'll probably be met with all kinds of reactions, not all of them favourable or even friendly. Nevertheless, despite all of that, there ought to be something about you which makes people want to ask about that something that you have that they can see they don't have. What is it about you? Because whatever it is, they can see that if they, leave, if they leave to one side the doctrine that you believe for a moment, which they can't accept in their sinfulness, because those things are spiritually discerned and right now they're dead in their trespasses and sins. So they can't take hold of those truths that you share with them unless and until God does a work in them by his Holy Spirit. But regardless of that, there is a life being lived in front of them, which they can see is undeniably good. In many ways, you, you become a conundrum to the unsaved. You make them want to ask what is the reason for the hope that is in you? What is it that you have? And this difference can be seen not simply because you are a better cleaned up version of the old you. You are in Christ a new creation with the old having gone and the new having come. And they can see that. So what does it look like and what does this involve practically in your life? Well, I have three points and here's the first. Number one, it's the outworking of your union with Christ. Now you might be thinking, well Ian, this issue of union with Christ, you talked about that two weeks ago. Yes. And it's also the outworking of what I reminded you about last week in terms of to whom you now belong and for whom and in whom you now live as a new creation. In verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is speaking of those for whom Christ died and of them he says that they should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. And I'm reminding you again of these things because when I come to points two and three in a few minutes, I need to remind you that those next 
two points of doctrine that I'm going to mention are based upon and building upon these truths that we've already covered. We'll be thinking shortly of the many exhortations that Paul puts to you about how you should be living as a follower of Christ and that there are things to which you must give yourself and apply yourself. There are things that you must strive for as a Christian. But as I mentioned the other week, where many Christians go wrong with thinking about Christian doctrine is that they fail to pause and to try and see how all of these things interconnect and intertwine and are all related to one another in your life. You can't and you mustn't keep individual doctrines isolated in separate little boxes. They all link, they all link and work together in you and through you. When you think of all that you have in Christ in terms of your justification, that does not mean that there's no need to strive in sanctification. But you must also remember that sanctification is not a striving to justify yourself. And on this theme of having been made a new creation in Christ, that does not mean that there is nothing now for you to do or to which you must give yourself. There are now duties and responsibilities that God lays before you and upon you because you are that new creation and which may only be entered into by those whom God has made new. If you are this new creature, if you have this totally transformed nature, if you have been given a new heart, this now is how you ought to live. How can you continue as you used to be if all those things are true of you? And so these are the things that you now give yourself to and apply yourself to them because you are that new creation in Christ. This is why Paul keeps using this word, therefore, or words similar to that in some of the other translations. But consequently, what that means is, so Paul is teaching all the time, God has done for you and in you this and this and this. Therefore, these things must follow. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Therefore, which means that? And he brings examples of application. So here is the starting point now in where Paul has got up to in his explaining what it means to be a Christian. Therefore, you are a new creation. Wonderful. So what next? Well, two things for the rest of our time this evening. So secondly, this evening, and the first of these uh, two important principles that Paul brings to us in terms of being a new creation, 
separation. Separation. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Let me encourage you to have your Bible open at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go back a few verses. Let's just pick up again the text at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And so forth. Through to verse 17, talking about being separate. Do not be unequally yoked. That thought comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, uh, where at verse 10 we find this instruction, you shall not plough with an ox and a donkey together. That would be a very obvious and unequal pairing if you were about to plough a field. Now in the context of the whole letter, at this part of the letter in chapter 6, Paul almost certainly is speaking very frankly about the dangers of false teachers as he's writing here. But the principles clearly apply more widely than just that. In those who now belong to him as his children, God has produced a great distinction between them and those who remain in their sin. And look at the language that God used, that Paul uses in those verses from verse 14. Note the great contrasts that he's drawing there. You have righteousness contrasted with lawlessness. Light, dark. Christ, Satan. Believer, unbeliever. Temple of God, idols. Stark contrasts. These things do not coexist. They cannot. It's either or. The whole world is divided into these two camps. And you need to know and decide in which camp you stand and live. In which camp do you stand and live? Therefore, verse 17, it means you will live a distinct life in the world. Quoting from Isaiah chapter 52, Come out from among them and be separate. God established Old Testament Israel to be an entirely new and distinct nation. To be his own special people. 
And all of the laws that he gave through Moses, the Ten Commandments, the laws regarding their worship, their family life, their civil life, how they governed themselves, their food laws, all of these things were given to make them distinct from the pagan nations which surrounded them. There is only one God who is the true and living God, and he is the God of Israel, and they are his people. And they are not to live like other nations, because those other nations are not living in covenant with the true and living God. Only Israel are. And so Israel is to be different. And that's you today. And that's the church. As a Christian, you are living in the new covenant which God established through the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by means of your union with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, as we've seen. You no longer live like the rest of the unbelieving world, because they live as those who are not in covenant with God, because they're not. But you are. Just as God separated Israel to himself, so he has separated you to himself as his new creation. So Paul is establishing an important principle here, that of separation. You still live in the world, but you now are separated from the sinful ways of the world. Frequently, this will cause tension, even persecution. And the Bible pre prepares you for that opposition that will come against you. Blessed are you when this happens. To this you were called. But notice that in this section of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, there are also some wonderful promises, and you'll see them there in verse 16 and in verse 18. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters. That speaks of God's love and care and protection and provision. His real concern for you and over you. God is in you. He will actively be your God. And you are not to be like the world. The world knows nothing of this, nor can it claim it. God is in covenant relationship with his people. So we can sing with those who've gone before us in years gone by. A sovereign protector I have, unseen yet forever at hand, unchangeably faithful to save, almighty to rule and command. He smiles 
and my comforts abound. His grace as the dew shall descend and walls of salvation surround the soul he delights to defend. Inspirer and hearer of prayer, both leading and guarding your sheep, I place in your covenant care my life, both awake and asleep. If you are my shield and my sun, the night is no darkness to me, for fast as my moments roll on, so nearer to you I shall be. God is your Father, verse 18. He will love you, protect you, provide for you as his sons and daughters. His love is upon you. And so with the principle of separation from the world established and with these glorious promises ringing in your ears, next comes the application of that in the first verse of chapter 7 with an, an exhortation to give yourself to ongoing sanctification. So first of all, separation, and then sanctification. Having these promises, beloved, let us, let us, let's give ourselves to, let's commit ourselves to, let's be determined to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He urges the same thing, but with different words in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Why? Because you're a new creation. How? As the new creation that you now are. You might find you're asking yourself, but if we, if we are cleansed by the blood of Christ, why the need to cleanse ourselves? And that's a fair question, I suppose. Well, remember what I said about not isolating doctrines in little boxes, so that when you look at this one here, when you move to this doctrine over there, you don't put that one back in its box and forget all about it. You bring that one with you and put it alongside this doctrine here and you look at the two of them together. And then with doctrine number three, you do the same. You don't keep it isolated over here. You bring it together and you build up the whole counsel of God and keep the whole thing before you all the time. So the Bible does teach that we are cleansed thoroughly, completely by the blood of Christ. But the cleansing that you have by the blood of Christ is in terms of your justification. You could never cleanse yourself to justify yourself. But Paul now is not talking about that. 
He's talking about how you actually live your life day by day. Sanctification. And to that, you do need to give yourself. Just as you heard Paul tell you the other week to reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Romans 6. He makes these types of pleas throughout his writings. Remember who and what you now are in Christ. Now, be who you now are in Christ. Give yourself to living the life of a new creation. We play no part in becoming that new creation, but we are to give of ourselves as a new creation to the life that we now live. And you'll want to. And you'll be able to. Because you are now in Christ. This is the life that people will see that will cause such a conundrum for unbelievers. They will see in you one who is separated to God. They will see in you one in whom God dwells. One for whom God is their father. They'll see in you someone who no longer lives in lawlessness and darkness. Someone who's no longer under the mastery of sin like you used to be. One whose life is no longer given over to idolatry. Here is a man or a woman in whom righteousness now dwells. Here is a man or a woman who's walking in the light of Christ. Here is a Christian believer, a child of God who worships only him. And because of that, chapter 7, verse 1, here is a man or woman who is heeding the word of God and giving their all to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength and to be done with sin, to be done with it. And instead, you're giving yourself, actively giving yourself to the putting on of holiness and righteousness in the fear of God. Many of you can bring to mind sections of Paul's writings, such as those found in Galatians 5, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, where he exhorts you to be done with everything connected to your old sinful nature. Put it off. Put it away. Be done with it. And to be putting on more and more that which is conforming you into the image of Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a new creation. And that's what a new creation looks like. It's the outworking of your union with Christ. It's living a life separated to God in the pursuit of holiness and godliness. You're not just a well-scrubbed-up version of the old you. The old has gone. So live as though it has. 
the new has come. So live as though it has. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let the whole world see it and know it to the praise and glory of your Saviour's name.